0: here at JM in the AM. Well, I've been telling you about the artscroll.com. Don't forget our friends at artscroll.com have an incredible array of uh, books available to you and uh, the section on the three weeks on this time of year in general uh, with the, um, uh, with the um, uh, Nine Days and TishaBov, et cetera, coming up. they got plenty there. I want to point out to you a book that came out one year ago called The Darkness and the Dawn. It's by Danielle Gladstein, The Anguish of the Gullus and the Glory of Jewish Eternity, with a discussion about the... Uh, about the... Um, oh, do we have everybody Gladstein? Oh, there he is. A discussion about the uh, three weeks and Tisha B'av and everything you'd expect in a book... Uh, that talks about this time of year. It's called The Darkness and the Dawn. It came out last year. When you use promo code radio at com, you get your free shipping and, of course, uh, of course, a major discount as well. So whatever you order from Artscroll.com, make sure to use promo code radio. The book is called The Darkness and the Dawn, The Anguish of the Gullis and the Glory of Jewish Eternity. The last time we spoke to Rabbi Gladstein, he was in the midst of his um, uh, incredible campaign. Uh, that took place in the month of May, a campaign that was uh, designated to expand the incredible work of Mahon Magid Harakia. Uh, they, at that time, were raising $1 million. And um, uh, he has been uh, just an incredible Magid Sheer, wonderful lecturer, fantastic author, and he is with us live via telephone. Rabbi Daniel Gladstein, a pleasure to welcome you back to JM in the AM. Good
1: morning, Rav Thank you so much for the opportunity. I hope it will. The three weeks. Yeah, it's a time of uh, challenge, but it's one of the big highlights to be able to speak with you.
0: No question that uh, it's a time of challenge and one that uh, uh, certainly um, is a a, a time of a different mood than the rest of the year. That's for sure. That's one of the things we do here is we set aside uh, these weeks to uh, slow things down get things into a three weeks format and help people i hope with inspiration and introspection rabbi glatstein um it's a three weeks format and therefore uh uh, a week being seven days and three weeks times seven equaling 21 is the three weeks actually 21 days or is the three weeks actually 22 days
1: okay so that's uh a major subject dealt with in the book, because we, <laughs> we refer to it as three weeks. Right. But, as you know, if Shabbat Sabat HaMas is a Sunday and Tisha is Sunday, they're actually 22 days. Right. So there are different ways of slicing it. You, know, you could look at it as uh, 22 days. In fact, there's a very significant gematria, numerical value, of the number of hours of the three weeks so twenty-two times twenty four is five twenty eight. That's Mafteach key, so it would be the key of redemption. And on the other hand, Tishab is considered a Moyed, so maybe we don't have to count Tishab toward the tragic part of the three weeks. So there's really different ways of looking at it.
0: You know it's funny the and the theme of Tishabov being, you know, on a different level, a potential moed as you described, etc., a potential holiday we should mention for everybody. Uh, mm-hmm. is, is really something. I and ironically, ironically I always tell people I have much more difficulty with Shavuot Batamu's physically as a fast day than Tishabov. And people will be like, what do you mean? Well, oh, yeah. B'Av is longer, mm-hmm. Tishabov is more difficult. Tishabov has other Eenuim, Tishabov has other restrictions, etc. And I I always think that aside from the physical aspect and not being used to fasting, right, we don't, it's a long period of time that we haven't fasted once you get to Shabbat Shabbat but I think there is a psychological thing to it. I think when you're fasting and starting off the three weeks and knowing that we are now going into the depths of, I don't want to say despair, but the depths of the calendar when it comes to the more serious time of the year uh, and knowing that Mm -hmm. the the, the full three weeks is coming up and then, of course, uh, the nine days and then, of course, Shavuot Shachalbo and then, of course, Erev Tishavav Tishavav, I think it's a different attitude than on Tisha B'av, when people are already thinking of Nachamu, thinking of Nechama, thinking of what their plans are for the remainder of the summer. I mean, I, I, I don't know. Is there, you think there's anything to that?
1: I do. Uh, you know, the, the Gemara says that we, we commemorate Tisha B'av on the 9th, even though the majority of it burnt down on the 10th, because the beginning of something is more acute, is more severe. And that's similar to what you're saying, the, the start of something, the start of a tragic period is is more painful than when, because you're really defined by where you're headed than where you're currently located. So as we're headed toward the three weeks right. and we have to traverse the whole period, it, it becomes, uh, as you say, psychologically somewhat overwhelming.
0: Yeah. And, and it's funny because sometimes, uh, I, I don't want to say people are criticized, but sometimes we do some self-criticism when when we are in fact focused on the post tishabov activities um as opposed to tishabov itself on tishabov and i would even argue yeah. that some people get I don't want to say upset, but they but they look a certain way when a couple of days after Tisha B'Av, this year obviously would be more than just a couple, that a couple of days after mm-hmm. Tisha B'Av, we're already in that, you know, I don't want to say frolicking, but, you know, in a in a better mood, let's put it that way, in a better mood and doing more fun activities than we were just a couple of days earlier. But I think that that's part of the beauty of our existence as a Jewish people, that there's, you know, just like we are able to be mavdol ben kodesh lechol and 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 Tahar, and one thing can be you know holy one second and unholy the next and vi- and vice versa. I think that's part of the you know the existence of our people that you know the, the three weeks are the three weeks once they're over, you know it's time to get into a different frame of mind
1: yeah, absolutely like Koman vice there's a time and appropriate time for every type of emotion. interestingly, Hassan Sofer says that the months of Av are two separate months there's Av, which is the first nine days, and then right. afterwards uh, right. is Menachem Av. So he, he considers it almost an entirely different month once Tisha B'Av
0: comes to an end. Oh, by the way, and, and, and I don't know how one can help but feel that way, you know, just the, the atmosphere feels that way, which of course now leads me to the question of the Hasam Sofer bench Rosh Chodesh and said Av or Menachem Av, but uh, <laughs> because yeah, I, right. <laughs> cause, cause we say Menachem Av for good reason when we bench Rosh Chodesh, uh, but anyway, that's a, right. so, that's a side point to say the least. Why'd you call the book, and, and again, with some of the stuff we've already discussed, uh, <laughs> I think it might be obvious, but you called it The Darkness and the Dawn, and And there's so much about bitachon, so much about faith in this book, and so much about communal activity in this book. And even when, uh, as the Navi says... And as our predecessors, our ancestors experienced, even in the throes of terrible tragedy, uh, it is amazing how the Jewish people collectively and individually are able to look toward the dawn. You talk about your own grandfather in this context, and it may be one of the yeah. reasons. I, I, it may be one of the reasons. By the way, I was thinking about this, and it's always bothered me to an extent that the Holocaust is always one of the main components of our tisha observance and thinking and preparation. But how can it not be? Because that's the closest. <laughs> That we as a people could ever feel the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash, the physical feeling that our, you know, the previous generations had during those horrible times? How is it that the Jewish people are always focused on the dawn when they're in the terrible uh, era of despair?
1: Yeah, as he mentioned, this concept is very personal to me because my own grandfather would always say that when he was in Auschwitz, when he was in Dachau, Every day he believed in absolute faith that Mashiach would come today. He didn't have a doubt. He didn't think maybe. He believed it with conviction. And while it was the darkest time in the history of our people, my grandfather always said he saw raw giloi just divine revelation, whether it was when he was yanked out of a crematoria or when... He was uh, select when he when at a selection line when the last moment he was told to go to life. He always said that even in the time of darkness he saw Hashem's embrace for the Jewish people, and that that message that he would give over to us. And my grandfather passed away a year ago at 106 years old. Wow. And his last words, his last words in this world, were, "I'm waiting for Mashiach." And then his neshama went up to Shemayim. So this is a theme, and this is a message that we, we learned firsthand from our grandfather. And I think this has to be a dominant theme when, when it comes to Tisha You know, it's always an, it's such an interesting custom to me that on the actual day, midday, we get up from the floor. Right. Why are we, get, why are we getting off the floor? Right. We're in the middle of... We're middle of the morning. This is the most acute time of the Avelos. But the message is that we never wallow in self-pity. We never feel sorry for ourselves. Our obligation is to dust ourselves off, pick ourselves up, and build for the future.
0: And by the way, so this has to, And and by and I'm yeah. sorry for interrupting, but by the way, this this is the exact point. How can one feel guilty about the change of mood once Tish above is, is finally here? When the day the minhagim of the day itself demands that the mood change a bit.
1: Absolutely right. Clearly, our sages are directing us uh, in this fashion. Right. Um, and by the it's, way, so it's
0: always very interesting. No, yeah. uh, no, I just want a, a point about your grandfather's life. And and, and sure. because people are probably thinking, what about those who didn't survive? But but what? But we need to remember is that so many of those, no matter what their fate ended up being, had the same attitude that your grandfather had.
1: Yeah, and, you know, Rabbi Hanan would say that uh, the success of the Jewish people um, in the aftermath is built on the sacrifice of those Jews who gave up their life for our people. Yeah, um, what, one of the. A uh, very moving chapters is the great dilemma that many of the sages had of whether to save their own lives during the Holocaust or to um, stay with their respective Kahilos and be with them in their final moments. And my own great grandfather, who was the last rav of the city of Sakhachev, had every opportunity in the world to come to America. Actually they were going to carve out a position for him to be the chief rabbi of the United States of America, the first time that position would have been carved out. And he decided, he felt his it was his moral obligation to stay with his kihila and uh, he was murdered to, to the Shashem in the Warsaw Ghetto. Unbelievable. So th- this is, yeah. The whole thing is unbelievable.
0: JM and the AM so, on, a, on a Wednesday with her by Danielle Gladstein. The book is called The Darkness and the Dawn, Arts Girl Release, The Darkness and the Dawn. What is your, and I mean, I read part of uh, what you wrote about it, but, um, you know, I think about, I think about the, um, the different things that happen during this time of year. What is your impression, opinion, uh, feeling about those of us who seem to be cutting corners when we specifically seek out a si'um, a, a, a su'udas mitzvah? Uh, to avoid mm-hmm. to avoid having to avoid meat during the nine days, <laughs> let's put it that way.
1: <laughs> what do you think? Well, th- this this has become a very beloved costume in the Jewish people. <laughs> to say it always. Know, the, <laughs> the great um, in hug of making a seum look. Um, you know, uh, on the one hand, you sort of get the feeling it's a loophole, and you know, to what. How thorough did the person really learn the Masechta? And are they just looking for an opportunity to to have some extra basar? But on the other hand, one of the chapters in the book uh, deals with the idea that uh, the concept of Chorban means a realm where there's no Taira. And through the medium of Siyam, you sort of create this realm where Khorban was not able to penetrate. So it's not that the, Siyam overrides the Khorban or overrides the Prohibition of having meat, but it sort of creates this arena where the Khorban was not able to penetrate, where the, the language we use is, taira In a realm of Tyra, there is no destruction. So that, that's a very beautiful idea that in a place of a Siyam, the Khorban was not able to be effective. Um, so it, that, that's an idea that's well substantiated.
0: Well, it made me feel a lot better, frankly. Because, <laughs> no, but I'm uh, being serious about that. Like, you know, if one's participating yeah. in a seum, they have to understand that there is a, there is an extra level to it. There is, you know, something unique about it. And it's not just, you know, cheating to make sure one could have meat, but you're participating. And, and, and if it's, you know, and if, and if this is what people do because they're, you know, the byproduct is that they're able to, you know, have a better meal, so to speak, uh, then this is what they mm-hmm. do. But the reality is, as you just said, if you're participating in a Suda's Mitzvah, one that has to do with Torah. Then the horben is further yeah. away. And I, I thought that just...
1: I, I actually, I heard a, an amazing firsthand account that in a hotel in the Catskills, Rav Moshe Feinstein was there, and he insisted that there be a siam each day. And he would make the siam, and he saw in the corner, Rav Schneer Cutler was there, and he saw that he was a little bit hesitant to constantly be partaking in the siam, and Rav Moshe ordered him, you know, you, you have to eat, because if you don't participate then the other Yiddin who are eating at the Siem, they're not going to be enjoying their meal. They're going to feel a little guilty. So Moshe not only made the Siam, but he insisted that the other great rabbanim there also participate.
0: Amazing. (laughs) Absolutely amazing. Which, by the way, gives even more... Um, uh, it, uh, it, it makes one feel even better if they're in a summer camp atmosphere and there's a seum because again, you know, w- while we may look at it as you know a way to eat meat, the reality is you're talking about hundreds of kids together celebrating a a seum of a mesecta, a seum of you know a portion mm-hmm. of the Torah, and and that you know that that you know h- imagine if you're making a seum with a few people, it's one thing, but rovam hadras melech if you're uh, having the opportunity to do it with hundreds of people in a hotel. Or in, a, uh, or in a camp, it makes it even, you know, it makes it even more majestic, makes it nicer. So, Absolutely. I, I was... If I
1: may, I know yeah. your, your uh, audience, uh, a high-level, high sophisticated uh, audience, right. Kabbalistically, the students of the Baal Shem Tov would say, you know, the force of impurity, his name is Samach Mem Aleph Lamed, that's his name, and what it stands for is siam mesachta Laasais. so the forces of impurity if there's one thing they're out to stop it's the making of a siam and when Yaakov avinu came to the harhabayis he saw a sulam sulam stands for siam mesachta la'asayis make a siam and that is the force that with which we overcome the forces of tumah so there's actually a secret Kabbalistic uh, power in the Seum during this time of
0: the year. Yeah, and and reminiscent of those times in Jewish history when when the Torah study was restricted by the enemy, and you know people would would literally risk their lives in order to do so. And and you know, thank God, uh, that was part of our enduring heritage. Is that uh, you know it's what kept Torah alive. That people in the most difficult of circumstances made sure to continue making Seum and made sure to continue teaching Torah. So. There's that as well.
1: Absolutely.
0: By the yes. way, I mean, look, you've included... One can write a book about Bena Mitzarum, One could write a book about the three weeks... Uh, obviously, with the bookends being Shavasar Batamus and Tisha B'av, and there's plenty of information in here, and I continue to recommend it to our listeners. Uh, but you made sure to include the Holocaust Memorial. You made sure to include the fact that, uh, again, um, th- th- this is the event in recent Jewish history that we can most relate to when it comes to Chorban, when it comes to destruction. And uh, it-, it gave me, again, as I said earlier, it gave me a clearer understanding of why we focus so much during the Nine Days on Tisha B'av on the Holocaust because you know when you have something that you can relate to so much better than thinking back you know 2000 years to the Hurban which of course we don't know anybody who at this point who was uh, right. who was part of it so that gave me a much clearer and, and I assume it's your family history that, Thank you. that I think it's your family history that made that that yes. that made you include this right i don't know if you if you didn't absolutely. have that if, if you didn't have that experience you may not have been as as uh, inclined to include the uh, I mean, absolutely
1: i mean the, these are personal stories that I grew up with, that I live with, that, that you know, my, my grandparents were survivors and everything about their personalities and their lives and how they dedicated the rest of their lives to rebuild the Jewish people. Um, everything about their lives uh, speaks about uh, the darkness of uh, the Gullahs and also the hope for the future of our people, right. So it's a very personal story to me,
0: and the hope is unbelievable. The dawn is just incredible, and 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 finally, um, it, you've included in this book about the three weeks the four fasts, meaning the other fasts of the year. That also got me thinking that you know, as much as we concentrate so much of the uh, of of the thinking of the churban and the. Um, and the uh, b- breaking of the siege in Eshelayim, etc., that le- leads eventually to the Hurban During these three weeks, one cannot really get the full experience of what we are commemorating without uh, without uh, speaking about and mentioning the other fast. Would that be Would that be the reason that they are
1: included? Yeah, absolutely. The four fasts are one; are part of a cycle beginning with the siege of Sarvateves, going to the breaching the walls of the Tammuz, the destruction on Tishah and then the last ember of hope being extinguished on Som So they're all part of one entity, and you can't fully experience one without treating the subject of, of all four taniyim. Yeah, and
0: so I just I, and, I, and I just have to reiterate. I mean, you mentioned in terms of the Holocaust and that, and the, the Amunah and Bitachon is just incredible, as you described it, and the and the personal. Uh, um, a account that you gave uh, in terms of your own grandfather, but what is it about the Jewish people? How is it that that in the in the depths of despair, and when the navi is predicting the you know most horrible experiences for the collective Jewish community, how is it that there is so much hope, that there is so much faith in the one above that there's no that there's there's no desire. Uh, I'll say that collectively, communally, that there's no desire to abandon the one above. There's just a desire to get as closer to him as possible.
1: Look, obviously, our connection with Avinu Shabbat Shammai goes back 3,300 years, goes back to the time of Avraham Avinu. Where Avraham Avinu and Sarah were, were biologically incapable of fathering a people. And God created Kal Yisrael from Avraham and Sarah, who were, not really physically capable of producing children. And that, that shows us that Hashem created us from hopelessness, and and yet we're still here. So that means the very fabric of our people is above and beyond Yiosh, above and beyond hopelessness. And uh, Hashem selected us. He gave us the Torah in the year 2448. And that was such an, a momentous occasion that seared onto the collective soul of the Jewish people. Such a deep love for Hakadosh Baruch Hu that not, we, we're never going to give it up. Nothing could compete with that love, that rendezvous with Hakadosh Baruch Hu at Sinai. And if I may, sure, you know we have this idea that uh B'av is a moed, a yumtif, And it's really hard to understand you know, what, what kind of yomtif it is. Is it? It's the most tragic day of the year. But Rav Yaakov Emden writes that the greatest miracle in the history of the world is the continued survival of the Jewish people. And when he contemplates the miraculous nature of how we're still around, how we're still kicking, he says he swears that it surpasses in his mind all the miracles that God performed for the Jewish people in Egypt. So if we have a Yom like Pesach that commemorates Exodus, and we have a Yom like Shavuot that commemorates the giving of the Torah. Then in a way, Tishabov commemorates a much greater miracle. That's the miracle of continued Jewish survival.
0: You know, it's, and in
1: that way, yeah.
0: No, I, I, I not to compare, <laughs> because yeah. uh, obviously there is no comparison. But I'll never forget. I saw an interview once with a non-Jewish academic, a historian, and they asked mm-hmm. him what's the most significant part of, of history like what 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 is one of the most amazing things in history and he cited how the right. jewish people were able to rebound after the destruction of the temple and i'm like wow e- even someone in that uh, in that you know environment can understand just how significant that is so again the way rev right. emden says it is much nicer but you get my point <laughs>
1: absolutely well we know the you know the famous a comment of Mark Twain, right. what is the secret of their immortality? Right. So that's uh, really one of the greatest miracles that uh, we've ever experienced or the world has ever experienced. So our forefathers, they only experienced the exodus. That was minor compared to the miracle that we see today with our own eyes when we're still around and the Jewish people are thriving. Amazing. Rabbi Daniel
0: Gladstein, the book is called The Darkness and the Dawn. I cannot recommend it highly enough. Go to artscroll.com, use promo code radio, make sure to get your discount and your free shipping. Again, always use promo code radio at artscroll.com. The darkness and the dawn, the anguish of the Gullus and the glory of Jewish eternity. Rabbi Daniel Gladstein, um, uh, the the book is amazing and the book will enhance your three weeks experience. By the way, how's Mahon Magid Harakia doing? Did the fundraising go well? Are we doing all right?
1: Oh, they, we, we were very successful. Thank God we raised over a million dollars. We're okay. still pushing, but um, thank you for the platform. Sure. That definitely enhanced uh, the campaign. And uh, we just uh, expanded over the last couple of weeks, and we have uh, many more people joining and coming to the shiurim and listening to the broadcast. So, yeah, thanks for asking about
0: that. Rabbi Gladstein, uh, you're doing amazing work and uh, positively affecting so many people out there. Continued success. Hatzlachar And I hope that, uh, I, I'm sure this book will help uh, inspire people during this period of time. And I really appreciate you joining us this morning.
1: Thank you for the time. Always a pleasure to speak with you. And uh, we hope to see you again soon. B'yushalayim.
0: Ezrat Hashem. Rabbi Daniel Gladstein, everybody. The book is called The Darkness and the Dawn. Go to artscroll.com. Use promo code radio. The darkness and the dawn, the anguish of the Gullus, and the glory of the Jewish of Jewish eternity. Rabbi Daniel Gladstein. Uh, and if you want to check out the conversation we had about Machon uh, Magid Harakia, that goes back to a, um, a, a that goes back to um, uh, the month of May. You could find it uh, in the archives at uh dot More coming up. Thanks for joining us on a. Wednesday morning broadcast at JM in the a.m.